Hello guys and gals, me and Mudahar, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I've got your co-host, Nux Taku Oompa Will, should be here shortly. I think he's just running behind a little bit late. I decided to jump the gun because we have quite a special individual here today too. Somebody that got access to a story that I was following for a long time. Mike, you just made one of the most banger documentaries on YouTube. Uh, visually, and I thought it was like a Netflix thing, but you know, it's it's a YouTube stuff. You got a new YouTube channel. Uh, how about you tell us all about who you were working with for the last few months? Yeah, so I was working with Stephen Williams, aka Boogie Two Nine Eight Eight, who, as we see in this documentary, is uh, a very self-deprecating, some would call obese individual. That at one point <laughs> some would call obese. Some would call this, you know, who. <laughs> may or may not identify as obese uh, and everyone has different definitions of obese but uh boogie you know as we all know was one time a beloved uh internet character who no longer trending gamer yeah who no longer is beloved and uh now i followed him around roughly on and off for about nine months and and the documentary shows that so uh that, that that's what i did uh for, for that period of time of my life Hell so, yeah. I, I think the first, like, shot that I have to fire is, how the f*** did you even get involved in this in the first place? What what drove you into this? Yeah. What was the inspiration? Yeah, yeah. So, I've been running business. I mean, I'm 30, so I started my first business when I was 18. It was, like, just doing nice. commercials for, like, local businesses. I shot music videos. Hell yeah. I live in, like, Ohio, so I have this video production company I built. We have, like... 20, 30 people, we do commercials. And I had done some other YouTube shows and kind of made just like comedy videos here and there that were like parody music videos on this one channel I had. But I always wanted to make, uh, you know, I had some sec- success in business and that's cool, but I always wanted to make, you know, so, you know, something that actually added value to the world. I'm like advertising, nobody likes advertising. Uh, so I, I just figured <laughs> out I will make, uh, make a, a video for fun that people might want to see. And I was sitting on YouTube and I watched, um, I got that Sunny V2 video of that, uh, the boogie downfall came in my feed. And I was like, dude, this has millions of views, millions of views. I was trying to figure out what content I should make. I've, I've made tons mm-hmm. of documentaries for like corporate clients and things. So I was like, hey, well, what if I just hit this dude up? So I put a list of like five or ten YouTubers together because I figured, hey, like there'd be people on YouTube watching this shit. So I hit up a few people and Boogie like emailed me back like immediately. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay, let's. I guess I got to do this now. So we emailed a ton back and forth. He wanted to make sure I wasn't like you know trying to dox him or whatever. And then I think we ended up shooting probably a month and a half after our first email, and you know that's basically how it started. Damn. Yeah, because I, I remember, like, I had, a, I, I had like, a public f***ing f*** you back and forth with Boogie for, like, five minutes. It was about, like, <laughs> landlords. and I I Literally, I was that. on a flight back from Vegas, and he he just makes these stupid f***ing posts on the internet about, like, you know, like, these easy dunks that he thinks. And we had a public spat. And then, like, a couple months later, he, like, messages me and tells me that he's working on a documentary. Or, like, he, he's looking for people to interview. And I was like, I don't think you're, like... Because I didn't know you at the time. I'm like, I don't think your documenter wants me to talk about oh, this because it's going to, like, like if because in my mind, when I think of it, like, 
it, every because like every time like uh, stuff like this gets made, there's a story, right? Like you either have a really up positive, uplifting story or a really like dark negative one. And I'm like, dude, I, I don't know because if I give this interview to your like interviewer, it's gonna be like, first off, it's gonna paint me in the worst light imaginable because I'm gonna come across like hater number nine thousand, like number one, okay, like immediate. But the other thing is just. Uh, I, I like it was a it was an interesting thing. It was like he almost wanted like the worst possible view of him out in the world, right? Because he was literally communicating, from what I understand, with everyone that had an issue with him, right? Or yeah. you know, I mean, when I hit him up, I have no people. There was all these comments that this is because you could Google me and find like my companies and shit, and it's like mm -hmm. there was these like conspiracy people. They're like, oh, Boogie hired this guy to make this as if like he could afford some hour-long <laughs> feature-length like documentary produced for hundreds of thousands of dollars i'm like so i had no incentive to make this anything other than i th what i thought it should be so when i hit him up the first conversation i'm like hey like if you think this is going to be like a promotional video or like a like i'm not i have no interest because all I'm, that's just gonna yeah. make me look dumb that wait so how no... much did you put into this documentary so i probably spent just like travel and stuff probably like 20 grand nothing nothing Damn. too crazy yeah i mean it, it's a documentary you know i like if i was charging him i mean it would have been substantially more because we weren't charging for me or my team's time but just hard costs of just like travel and stuff but um outside of that but no yeah that, that was the agreement from day one is like dude you have to we have to be kind of trying to make the same thing here i talked to a lot of other cre like creators and they would kind of get on the phone with me and it'd be like, oh, let's make it like this. Let's paint it this way. And you, mm -hmm. it's basically like, dude, I'm not here to make a marketing video for you. I don't care. Uh, it's way too much work. We're either going to make this entertaining and be what the reality is or not. So I would have loved to interview you. I tried to interview Frank Castle. I think I tried to interview a few other people. But at the, everyone thought it was like because you look at my like you know company or whatever, my email – uh, that it was like some yeah I, I don't even remember like I think book I don't even think boogie mentioned your name or anything to me too he might have but like usually I'm like always tapping out of the DMs by that point because you know it's <laughs> boogie after all it's boogie. But, yeah hey. but like uh, I I don't because uh, I would have like I would have looked up your name and honestly that conspiracy theory probably would have hit my head too like uh, knowing uh, it, it does sound like something he would do yeah like, like pre-covid it's like I understand the costs of running a media company myself too um, I understand, like, obviously, this isn't cheap, right? Like, yeah, yeah. if the conspiracy was going to come out that he hired you to advertise, I'm like, first off, nobody's got that kind of money. Like, Boogie does not have the kind of money to order that fluff piece. And also, you're not TMZ, where, like, this is, like, a 20-minute drive for you, and you can just yeah, send somebody, some, like, like you know? Clip. It's like, we yeah. shot for, like, 15 days on and off, probably 120 days of pure edit. We had travel to, like, other locations for interviews i mean it, it was it was a you know i approached it like it was gonna go on netflix uh just because i'm like Fuck it why not let's just drop this shit on youtube and have some fun with it so but it's it's amazing how cynical people are that they would think that he hired a fluff piece instead of something like this genuinely being made i remember when uh when turkey tom made his documentary about like my drama with v shoujo people reached out to me and said hey i was just wondering did you ask turkey tom to like fluff things why would i do something like that i don't yeah 
But I, 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 well, the thing is, I didn't expect like any fluff piece out of it. So yesterday, I watched the whole thing with uh, with my wife. Like we were like, all right, let's let's check it out. I wasn't there for the premiere because it was like three p.m. Like and time didn't work. But I saved it for the night. Sat down into it. And, and captured me the entire way through. Okay, so I guess the best way to do this is to like go part by part by part. So obviously, you jump into the situation. You come across Boogie. Did you watch his content before you did this documentary? Like, were you like a Boogie fan? Or I had made him seen him on some podcasts here and there. I mean, I've always kind of been in the YouTube sphere, so I knew of him. But I was mm-hmm. I'm not like in the the lore of like Boogie World. I didn't know anything about like Frank Castle. I just kind of had seen like the maybe the Francis clips and some things. Um, right. But uh, yeah, no, I was. I just honestly, I just wanted to start a channel and. Uh, just was looking for like what lane would make sense to deploy this production mm-hmm. ability and what would actually get views. I mean, you see a lot of documentaries, they're good, but they have no, they, they don't have a marketable angle. But once I talked to him, it was like, okay, this is actually kind of, we were like opposite people in every way, me and Boogie, like 100% opposite. And Yo, so just why really... are you just going to compliment yourself like that? This video is sponsored by our friends over at Aura. Have you ever Googled yourself and you were shocked to see all the personal information exposed on a lot of those public sites available on the internet? Well, that's because there are actually disgusting organizations known as data brokers who make a absolute fortune selling your information to scummy robocallers, spammers, and other people that just wanna learn about you. Ladies and gentlemen, Aura can actually identify these data brokers exposing your information and submit opt-out requests on your behalf. Brokers are legally required to remove your information if you ask them, but because they're scumbags, they make the process super difficult to do. That's why Aura's there to make sure they get through the process and make sure that your information is kept private, as it should be. Aura does a lot more than just that. They go out of their way to protect you and your family, if you want, from online threats that you have no idea about. Aura is incredibly easy to set up, to the point where you don't even need to get multiple different applications for things like parental controls, VPNs, password management, antivirus, identity theft insurance, and a whole bunch of more things. Aura does the absolute hard work of keeping your online information private and safe, and lets you focus on other tasks at mine. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to figure out how to protect your information and you want to put it in the hands of professionals, go to Aura.com SOP to start your two-week trial. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get back to the video. But uh, no, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting talking to him in that sense. I mean, but that, but that is but it's interesting. Like when you say you're polar opposites, obviously, like I want to like kind of ask like in what way. I, I'm not going to get into like the you know physically, obviously, but like work wise and work ethic. Even is that like kind of where we're getting at? Yeah, I mean a little bit. Um, just like you know, I um, like the, the degree of interest he has. Like when I'm down there, he's talking about Magic the Gathering and like. I think a lot of these things, I assumed him to be much more of a kind of a content creator than he is in the sense of like, <laughs> oh. no, that's not a hit at him. Hello. It's like, Yo, Caleb, what's up? I shaved my mustache, sorry. No, you ruined my favorite YouTuber. <laughs> what's up, Mike? This is, up, this is Caleb. How you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. I was just talking shit about Boogie, so, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. So, yeah, Caleb, to, to, 
to catch you up, uh, Mike has filmed probably one of the most interesting documentaries I've seen on YouTube at the time. We put the trailer in the chat. That trailer, I thought, when I saw it on Twitter for the first time, like, this is a Netflix documentary. But it's a YouTube video that he made documenting Boogie over the last nine months. And he's got some exclusive access to Boogie's life, financials, and uh, some of the big bombshells. One that uh, we'll get to, but continue on, Mike, about why you think Boogie wasn't obviously the greatest content creator. Well, no, I like he really with Magic the Gathering, and he really with a lot of these like niche hobbies. Like, like when we were down there, it was like, all right, we'll make like let's make some content, but like. I didn't realize how much he actually likes a lot of these things and how much of his life is playing video games and talking about magic cards and having people over his house and going to the magic shop. Like that was, that was all genuine. Um, Wait, so that's like, that's how he spends his days basically. Yeah. I mean, like, I think he has a certain work ethic. I mean, but it's tough to evaluate work ethic in that sense, because when you've been doing something for 15 years, it does look like you put out a lot of body work, but he also has, I think he has more like in real life friends. He has a lot of in real life friends in, in his city um, that know him outside of his content creation from magic. Like when he when we went to the magic shop, like he knew like everybody. So it just, just this type of stuff he was interested in. I was interested in like, it, it was definitely like, just, just way different. Hmm. See, like the the thing about it is, it's like the the way that you're painting it is like you went there and like on a day to day basis, like the way that I spend my days, and I'm not like a full time content creator. Like honestly, nobody here is because I know Caleb Knox and I have our own things on the side. Obviously, that I would consider are more primary mm-hmm. in terms of like money making and our businesses. Um, that takes up way too much time. But when it comes to like content creation, the best content creators are the ones that are like able to be Jedi's with time management. You know, like you wake up at 6 a.m., you do your shit in the morning, you plan out the rest of your day, and by like 6, 7 p.m., you're pretty much done. Like you, you block everything out, you know, like you, yeah. you plan everything meticulously, and that's how you're able to succeed. Because one of the big key factors in succeeding on YouTube is not necessarily even the quality of your content, it's the consistency of your content, right? If you're posting regularly, you'll be successful, right? And if you're posting consistently, it's always a big boon in the algorithm, to the viewer, to everyone. And uh, for Boogie, one of the problems is it's like every time he tries to revive his channel, it's like... He'll maybe make one video a week or do like one stream a week. He'll constantly fall under his goals and he'll never meet them. And the audience reflects that. Like nobody's going to want to stick to a content creator that's not, you know, pumping out content, right? I don't even think it's the consistency of his content. I feel like when it comes to Boogie in general, he I don't think he realizes what his content is at any point. I don't think he's ever tried to like one up himself. I think he had something that worked for him like 10 years ago when he started making videos mm-hmm. and he's still kind of doing the same exact thing and not understanding why it's not performing as well as it did. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a lot simpler. Maybe I think at some point he was so fat that it was he was cute, right? He was a cute looking <laughs> level of fat. Like it's likable fat. And like, I'm so glad Caleb is here for this. And it's like, oh, oh, look at—he can't be mean. He's so fat. How <laughs> that, that, that fat? True guy. Now he's just kind of fat, and he also had fucked up teeth. And fucked he's up uncanny teeth. fat. 
he was almost like Appalachian, like, you know, oh, he's a, he's a jolly <laughs> Appalachian fat, like really fat guy. Yeah. Now, you had, now he's got fucking like nice ass teeth and he's just kind of fat. Um, Cringe. And, and there's also this thing with YouTubers where like when a YouTuber's 30, it's like, okay, YouTuber. When a YouTuber's 50 and you could tell that they're trying to still be 30, there's kind of this like inherent cringe to that i like seeing 50 year old um, people saying oh man sniper wolf's l riz that's yeah, my favorite for sure. thing so oh, i yeah, think sure. boogie was still had up teeth and was still extra fat i i think we would all just still be he'd be pulling two 300k a video no but, way no way i, I think you're yeah, you're really boiling I, I, it down I, I'm yeah. a little facetious but also the other thing is this he was I don't know how many people in the internet world or any media world that get known as being likable maintain likability for that long, right? Especially when you're doing live streaming. Imagine if Mr. Rogers from way back in the day was live streaming for three, four hours a night. Eventually, maybe he's not as nice. We just happen to see him through this very polished. Dude, I like this. Right? I'm with you 100%, except uh, the the ones that have the nice guy reputation that are actually nice people keep that nice guy reputation. Like, uh, Markiplier is a pretty beloved character by everyone, right? He has that nice guy vibe, and he's been a nice guy on the internet for a decade, right? So yeah, it's not like it's impossible. Is... It's just Boogie doesn't strike me as a nice guy. <laughs> I don't think Boogie's... In my view, I don't think he's a bad guy. Maybe he was posturing to me because I was working on a project with him. Whatever. I don't think the guy is a, a mean guy. He's just has a lot of dumb ideas. Like he is a horrible PR manager. If I and we, I was talking like, dude, if I knew you since 2015, you'd still. I, I don't. I'm sure Markiplier's nice, or all these people are nice. Boogie is nice. He just has ideas that are dumb. <laughs> That he doesn't not do, right? And he never had any. And I would tell this to him. He has. He's. I think he's genuinely means well most of the time. He just has get these things in his head to do, and there's not that like business PR manager to kind of be like, yo, let's not say it like this. Let's say this. Listen, I I think the. Okay, I I think the biggest elephant in the room here is Is like this. Okay, that that one. But the I'm other sorry, thing is I like, to. I, I regret. When, <laughs> I immediately regret everything. When we mention Markiplier and all these other characters, right? What is the big difference between Markiplier? Um, you know, Oompaville is a likable guy. I've never seen anybody dislike you. Charlie's True. a nice guy. Uh, you know, fucking everyone I've ever really talked to that can maintain their personality. It's a pretty nice guy. What's the big fundamental difference between Boogie and all these people? What's the big outlier? Do you guys know? Skinny. Everyone here with the fucking fat joke. I, I think, honestly, it's... I, I don't know. Boogie strikes me... Maybe that's because I, I didn't know Boogie back when he was actually pulling crazy views. I only know Boogie as the Boogie from today. And he, like... He just seems very entitled to success, to in my eyes. Uncanny like, Boogie. He feels... Yeah, and, and he's listen, really entitled he to certain, everything. Like he when he in, when he invested all of his money into crypto and ended up losing all of that, like, and he was like, "I don't understand why this would have happened." Now, please help support me. It like it was a weird turn. No. Yeah, yeah I agree. The other thing is, and it's very simple, guys: two hundred thousand dollars in hookers. That's a big difference. Okay? <laughs> that. 
I'm not <laughs> joking when I say this. Listen, Caleb, no. how many hookers have you bought in the past ten years? <laughs> none. Yeah, honestly, none too. I really have to think about. Yeah, Markiplier, no, I didn't have to think about. It. <laughs> listen, I'll I'll bet a hundred thousand dollars that Markiplier is probably never engaged in in hooker play. Okay, true. Probably not. Probably not. Okay, <laughs> listen, there is always a non-zero chance that somebody you know on the internet, dude, the f***ing cooking channel I follow. Okay, Townsend's the nicest guy in the world. Could be doing coke binges every Friday. I wouldn't f***ing know. But that's a big fundamental difference. Boogie is like involved in hookers. He is the he is the product of his own demise, right? Like this man, and, and you look through the financials of it too. So one of the big part of your documentaries was like sort of unveiling the money Boogie had. And he showed, I don't know what it was. Was it like a crypto wallet or was that his bank accounts where he had like $30,000? There's an extended scene coming out that has the crypto wallet, but we showed the, we showed the checking account and, and, well, and the savings and the, the mortgage. So, but like his crypto stuff, and and here's the thing: we know the crypto situation. Like, it's not a fucking you know trade secret. Him and McJuggernuggets were great friends at the time, right? And McJuggernuggets got him allegedly into the crypto bandwagon, and he put in like hundreds of thousands of dollars into crypto, right? Like, what was it, like seven hundred or some shit? Yeah, yeah. Oof. And all of that money went nowhere, okay? And, and we know crypto. I know crypto because I've done a million investigations. Caleb knows crypto because he was an ASCOIN millionaire for five minutes. And Nux, you know crypto too because you were, you, you, you were pitched NuxCoin. I am an NFT. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like he put, at his age, put like all of that money into crypto and the market trended downwards. And now it's sitting at what, like a $30,000 bag that you yeah, know, he's and, afraid to and cash And I was out? even trying to get him to sell it right there because... I'm like, you know, it's just going to keep going down, sell it, put it in an index fund or just put it all against your house. I mean, um, the problem is like before he, you know, uh, he, he has a certain, he gets certain fixations on certain concepts and certain ideas. And I think the people around him, um, he's never had that strong business you know, behind a lot of YouTubers or just even successful artists, and, and there is really good business advisors or partners or things, and he, I, he's never really had that. So, and, and that that crypto investment back then, if you were to just be like, "Hey, put that in the S and P 500, don't yep. buy crypto, let it literally sit and do nothing," um, mm -hmm. he'd probably he'd have over a million dollars. Yep. But, you know, yep. he's but the thing is, like, he looks around at his peers on the Internet because I swear to God, he's like a 12 year old at heart. He looks around and sees, you know, a bunch of these like Logan Paul types who are getting like millions of dollars off of NFTs. And as adults, we know that the only reason that they're able to inflate these NFTs or like any of these prices because of their like, you know, popularity. It's not actually worth that. You know, even Schlatt, I remember he came onto one of our like first couple episodes and he said the exact same thing you did. Put money to the S&P 500, the index funds, right? And by the way, nothing we say constitutes as financial advice. Please hire financial, financial advice. advice. <laughs> I am a certified financial advisor. Yo! So is... You know what? There Let's you go. go. All right. Please. No, I'm go. not. I'm not. <laughs> no, oh, damn it. I was freaked out about it. Like, we, right. we were almost gonna like give you a position as like a fourth host yeah. every episode, just to pop in every once in a while, just be like this yeah, is financial advice. Do this. This is a hundred percent financial advice. One hundred percent. 
No, but like the thing is with his situation is he's not like he he doesn't have the money to do so, and so one of the themes throughout your entire documentary is like you've been showing like his net worth, his savings constantly go down every time he engages in just frivolously spending the money too, right? Yeah. yeah. And one of the weirdest expenses is like. I don't know why he's still attached to the house or a lot of these things. Maybe it's a psychological thing. I'm not a psychiatrist. Can't claim to answer it. But his life could easily be solved up if he really downsized, you know? And there's no shame in that. People have, people do it for a million reasons. He could downsize and live very comfortably. That could be so beneficial to his channel if he just moved to, like, a two-room apartment. Because he only needs one room to fucking play video games in. You know, if he moved to an apartment, produced content, I think that could actually probably turn his channel around or keep it sustained enough for him to just live out relatively comfortably, you know? Yeah, I think this is not just Boogie. I think anyone, almost in any situation, that's complaining about money that makes over forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year, almost mm -hmm. always underneath that complaint is some unwillingness to reduce some arbitrary expense that they're obsessed with that represents yeah. some ideal life like oh well i couldn't not have uh you know in uh, netflix or i couldn't not have whatever well that's uh, what he said in the video is like i need to buy diablo 4 i swear to god verbatim one of his points guys i need to buy this game i need to buy this i'm like dude yeah. You got to be very fucking privileged if you're buying 70 fucking dollar games on a daily. Like even at the income that I make, I question like when I make a $70 purchase. Like I still do to this day, you know? Like I I'm like do I need this? It's still a bit expensive. Like I think everyone who I do. I'm not going to say that I like I'm not going to say that we came from like brokey nothing, you know what I mean? Obviously, I think a lot of us lived you know, okay, lived well, lived comfortably, and even when we came into money, I think there's habits that you have. You know, if you've it's hard, grown up, it's hard for anyone, boogie included, to reduce mm -hmm. your living expenses. I mean, it's you just know. once you get used to a certain, like, imagine him, like, you know, you have this house, you're holding on to it. It's like the fact that you're going now into this apartment. He does have a roommate. Um, he actually, I think he had, by the time we were filming in the second half, he had additional roommate. So, you know, it would be like moving four people in. Uh, that's mm -hmm. the other thing is like his roommate situation, he doesn't pay rent. Um, this is a part of an extended scene. That was the only person we, I, one of the only few people I couldn't interview was the roommate. And looking back, I wish I would have offered money for it. Cause I'm sure there was a do dollar amount to interview the roommate. I would have paid. Um, and he was, this is a uh, Chad, right? His like Chad. Yeah. I wish I would have tried to get that. Um, and then the ex-wife I was, that was off limits as well. But, um, I would say, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of things that, you know, Boogie's an artist, he's an emotional guy, and there's just certain expenses that he, like, for example, the first time I was filming, we were talking about a bed, because we, we went and did this sleep study at this place, and they were, this, the, when I was looking at new nice beds, it was 3000 The next time we come back, the dude bought the bed on credit, $140 a month, you know, and he had logic to support it, and, you know, he's making $140 a month payments, but I just think... It's not just boogie. A lot, there's so many people that do stuff like this and uh, make um, irrational, emotional spending decisions without backing it up with income. And it, it is unfortunate. It creates a lot of stress. Yeah. I mean, it's like if you can afford a luxury purchase every once in a while, go for it. You know, like life is short. Enjoy some of it, you know. 
but mm-hmm. like these guys that are making it's like, it's like it's like when I see YouTubers like some YouTubers I don't know that go to like California or something you know they're paying paying like ten thousand dollar fifteen thousand dollar a month rents on mansions and they're like splitting it up with people and I'm like who the f- is like think about it like this you guys are collectively burning fifteen k a month away just to live in like California you don't even own the place you just like you know take photos in it every once in a while for like a year or two and then you're gone. You know, it's yeah, like, I, and people so what, what causes people to do this? Because like, um, do, do you think it's just bad parenting or do you think it's clout hunger? Like something like that? Like, uh, in my view, it's a, it's a lack of, um, uh, being able to evaluate risk and, and, uh, people overestimate mm-hmm. the things that are currently occurring. Like if you go from making five to 10 K a month, well, that means I'm going to go to 15 to 20 just as easily as I went to five to 10. So they overestimate that. Plus we live generally in a culture that, you know, like you are in many cases, depending on who you're socializing with, you're, you're just on your expenses, not necessarily your actual assets. Right. So, you know, like it's cool to have a nice car, which is just, you know, or a nice house. Um, so I, I Some think people it's... just do it to maintain an image, right? Like that's pretty much what it comes so it, down to. I, dude, I like, see, for example, okay. This is going to be a random personal example. I was reading Harry Potter as a kid, okay? And in the beginning of one of the books, I don't know, the sixth or whatever, uh, the Weasley family, this incredibly poor family, mm-hmm. they uh, they win the lottery, okay? And they're all wearing, like, clothes that their grandparents have worn because they are so poor in this wizarding world. Somehow, God knows how they're so poor. I don't get it, but they were. And they win the lottery. They get tons of money. And what do they do with this lottery? They buy a massive vacation to Egypt. They all go to Egypt on a huge vacation. They burn the entire lottery winnings on that vacation. And I remember my mom telling me, it's like, you'd never do something like this. A poor family, they win the lottery. You do, you build something. You invest something. You do something with it for things no. that you need to... Vacation? So well, that, well, that's what he invested in this documentary, Magic Cards. There was an entire point in this documentary no, no, where, I, like, I, you go. Out, I get it, but that, yeah. but that's what I'm trying to say. Is it, oh. is it like a, a lack of parenting that puts someone in a position like that? What it's I can't just, even put just, my it, head in it's that just, mindset. Uh, you know, it's just, a, it's just a fucked up upbringing, is what it is, right? Like, you're right. There is a parenting thing to it. If I, if I like spent my money on like Lamborghinis and mansions without having the fucking backup, like you know, without having like the funds to properly invest, my dad would slap the fucking shit out of me, you know. But that's just because my dad is. You know what I mean? Like, I think anybody's like parent or close relative would probably do. I was like, all right, listen, buddy. All right, you, you, you won the lottery. Let's not go fucking crazy. But uh, another thing is, like, a severe lack of, like, understanding or intellect. Like I said, he there was an entire segment here where he's paying off, like, his mortgage with, like, those magic cards. It's, like, the only sole investment that I think he has at this point. And That's it's just, wild. like, you know, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, the other I think th- also in Boogie, he did straight up grow up broke. That's real. And he was mm-hmm. being, used to being broke in his 20s and, thir- you know, early 30s. So I, I would imagine if you're so used to not having money when you get money while at some degree there's an appreciation mm-hmm. for it. Also, there's this kind of idea in your head where like, Oh, if I don't have any money again, well, I've, I've already already been there and I'm used to that. Like who cares? So I, yeah. I, I think that in some way he kind of wants to be, he's okay. He's comfortable being broke. And in some way it does scratch some psychological part of him that he kind of likes being broke. He likes right. the ability to kind of, have that. Do you think he likes the victim mentality on YouTube? Like, I can be a victim, haha. Like, hey guys, please. 
Uh, finance well, money or some shit. I mean, in his defense, he got very popular in some way off of that. I mean, it was a hybrid of that plus Francis. So it was the juxtaposition of, oh, this guy is a victim. He's cute, fat, as we've discussed. <laughs> true, and, true. And he also is funny. He Like, those videos back, were yeah. hilarious back then. So when you have he all three a funny of those guy. things, it's like cute look, like kind of a cute vibe. Uh, 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 plus funny plus he's a victim so like let's let's you know yeah. this guy up. And, and, and to be fair in his credit he's still really funny the part of your interview where he goes for a job like to the staffing agency oh. he straight yeah. up mentions in the staffing agency like i used to work in I'm like dude i i i almost caved my skull into my entire body <laughs> like i i could not imagine that in the middle of a staffing meeting he's like yeah i worked in i'm like even the interviewers like is that really something you should be mentioning? Dude, so like, I I scheduled I because like the first time I shot, I, I like I scheduled all these different things we went and did. One of was was like, hey, let's try to get you a job. We got a trainer, so that should be an extended scene. He went and worked out. We got a new diet plan. We got a haircut and a makeover. Um, and this, I will say this: Boogie is a purebred entertainer. Like. I went in with no direction to him on what, you know, hey, we're going to go film this, we're going to do this. And this dude is like a kamikaze of just fucking with these people. And, like, because <laughs> I, I didn't tell them. None of these people knew who Boogie were. I, I arranged a date with him. This was before he had uh, met this girl he's actually dating. And this dude just mm -hmm. goes in, and I'm, like, I'm cringing so hard because he's just fucking with them. And they're trying to, like... You know, be in this. Dude, documentary. I have to watch this documentary. I can't believe you didn't tell me in advance. I would have watched it. I would come here knowing Dude, all this stuff. It came out literally yesterday, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it was bro. Like, this is this is this is like fresh off. But um, so like the the thing is with his situation, like one of the one of the biggest like shocking bombshells for me in this whole thing was the two hundred thousand dollars in like escorts, and I don't want to beat around that bush. How the f did we come to the actual like number metric on this? Like, well. How did this even like happen? That was, I mean, so so that accounted for you know actually paying women, but all the travel, all the food, um, and it it was a, over a period of total years, right? So I, I think uh -huh. you know that that might have been a little buffered up because that was more of a, a a generalized number. But you know we're looking at hey, if he's going to a trip in LA uh, to do certain things, he's also meeting a girl. It's like the overall expense you know, investment to that. Um, I think at certain point he had put out publicly, there was like a hundred thousand, but you know, just generally it was in the hundreds of thousands, um, to, to women, uh, seeking arrangement type stuff. Oh God, dude. Gifts, stuff like that. And that's so fucking wild. Cause like he could easily have like paid off his house with the $200,000. Like, Oh just... yeah. I mean, he could have done Christ. it with crypto. I mean, it's, uh, and yeah, I mean, uh, when I was down there, you're like, you're trying not to get pulled into the emotion of it, right? Because you're mm -hmm. like, like this guy, and like the checking account thing was the most scary, not scary, but just like concerning to me. Because I'm like, with this dude filming, he's genuinely got like two hundred dollars. He's waiting on his YouTube check from the million views he pulled a month ago or whatever, and you're just like, oh, we're also now going to, to in some Mexican restaurant to eat. I guess I'm paying. Right, because I I feel bad, you know. Yeah. Drive around and then like him getting food. 
So, like, there was that little scene where I got Taco Bell. I got Taco Bell because I'm just like, yeah, I'm having you film. I, I don't think you should be buying this Taco Bell. I'll just get it. So. I mean, but it's just like, it's it's such a, it's like, it's such a situation to honestly witness with him because it's like, there is really, like, no out of it. Like, obviously, he's dating this girl now who's, like, what, 20? And uh, I, I, from your documentary, it seemed very charitable because like they seem like they're in la la land together and honestly oh, yeah. I... the first time we filmed so he had like we filmed and he was a single guy right mm-hmm. i was trying to get him on a i got him on a date so that's an extended scene that'll come out i think on his channel uh i arranged a date for him and uh, but he had told me about this girl he was talking to at the time and then he did the fight we were just kind of seeing what what was going to be in the documentary or not and then he starts dating this girl and then that's when we started filming again so that's where like when halfway through you kind of had this like financial aspect where it's like everything's fucked and then there's just like kind of bittersweet positive turn that's great for him but it's also conflicting because you're questioning is this is everything all right with this right um, yeah. also the weird thing with the girl she looks younger than she is so while she's 20 or 21 or whatever she looks she looks like she could be 17 18 19 right she has right. a very very young look um so i think that like that probably adds to it um that it's like okay because there's so many comments like how are you exploiting the, i mean she i think she is an adult like there's women that do only fans that are 20. it just has this vibe that maybe boogie's exploiting i didn't get that i just think they are both kind of psychologically on the fringe and have just latched onto each other in this way that might work. It actually could work out, right? Um, right. For them both in, in a unique way. So I, I went down very skeptical. I was like, all right, is this, is this weird? Is this like a joke? But, you know, all the time I spent with them as a couple, they seemed pretty genuine. Yeah. It's just a, Honestly, it's just like, I'm really happy to hear yeah. that. Like I'm, yeah, I'm so happy. Like, yeah, it's like I, I do it was wish a weird Boogie thing. the best, even though I do think he's leading down a path of self-destruction. Like, I, that's all you really can do. Like, part of my thing with Boogie, and like one of the things is like, and it's really just any YouTuber too, right? Like, um, I don't know how much I can like kind of discuss this. It would be a great topic for you to go forward into. Is like people like Kumat, for instance, um, people who just like constantly dig their grave you know like there's just nothing that you can do or you can say and even if you try to say something like even to like people like boogie it's just like they will constantly find a way to like disregard what you said the advice that you're giving and just consistently play victimhood and at that point like i just get tired of it you know like if you don't want to change then i don't really care about it right yeah i think with boogie it's tough because even when I first started interviewing him and whatever, he has a certain uh, fixation on like pro- like winning back an audience, right? And and mm-hmm. and using his content as a way to win back the audience, as if there's going to be something he could do or show or lose weight. And I just don't think that's how. I mean, I, you guys would know probably more than me. You, you've done YouTube for longer, but this is not really how YouTube works. You make content people want, you make quality content in a niche that serves a, a consumer need and you build a, a fan base. Um, I don't think, you know, uh, that that like, even if he did lose a bunch of weight, it'd be feel good, but does that really improve his content? And I, I think that he's he has a certain fixation on 
proving people wrong and winning back an audience that that may not even be what people even care about other than just like are your videos right. good or are they not i think you're right i think you're yeah. right i think i mean that's like probably the, the best analysis that anybody can do and it's it really is one of those things where it's like you're you are looking at a situation where it is truly unwinnable in some cases when you look at it and I think one of the best messages that was kind of offered was one of the people they interviewed where it's like, yeah, maybe you should just kind of like get a job or like go somewhere else. It's not okay to like completely stop something and then, you know, reposition yourself in life, right? People have to adjust all the time too, even professionally. Like I've had to change and do a billion other things because that's just how life is, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's all that one can really say about Steven's situation in this moment too. It's like, hey, he can sit there and constantly try to fight YouTube and fight this unwinnable battle because in reality, it, it is unwinnable. Like his, the, the appeal for his channel, the reason for his success has always been like he came at a very early time and now any content that he produces can be produced by anybody else in a much better, uh, more personable fashion even too, right? Like that's really the crux of it like francis was successful because what else do we have to watch on youtube at the time but like fucking fred or like you know a fucking shitty call of duty gameplay video and like it looked real right at yeah. the back then you see this and like this dude's so fat this dude is like the voice was realist like actually believable and mm -hmm. it was well conducted and then once yeah. that, now, like, he can't <laughs> pretend to be that, and he changed the voice to make it Dude less, Dude needs like, to go offensive. full Peter Griffin. That's what I think. Yeah. I think he should start wearing a white button-down shirt. <laughs> make fart jokes go <laughs> Yo, listen, honest to God, <laughs> no joke, if... If his girlfriend dressed up as Lois and he Dude, dressed up as that's Peter, that's what I'm saying. She dresses up as Lois, he dresses up as Peter, and he just is funny. And he tries to make good content where people are laughing at his jokes, not laughing at him. Yeah, like I think he, that would be literally, so good. he could be IRL Family Guy. I'm surprised you didn't even do that as like a fucking uh, Halloween costume. That would have been hilarious dude but yeah i mean there, there's there's not much anybody can do with do with it the part at the end of the documentary was the one that with me the most how did you even agree to doing the shrooms trip with him like i know so you didn't do there. shrooms we're down there we had just filmed the job interview the date uh the dietitian the makeup I, mean, I was trying all types of stuff to just kind of see where this would go and we're sitting mm -hmm. there and um he had been getting Facebook messages from this shaman for years. And he just hit, he just was like, Hey, like, should we, um, sh should we do this shaman? Like this shaman has been wait, hitting. Wait, 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 one second. Hold on. Wait, we're not just going to blow past this. He was talking to a shaman on Facebook for years. Well, this shaman has been hitting him up. He lives in Arkansas. What's he been saying? I don't, I think it was just, a, it was just some guy he was friends with and like maybe okay. they had a mutual friend or something like right. he was friends with on Facebook. It was like a Facebook friend. Okay. Had. It's not the Facebook that's throwing me here. It's the shaman part. That's, yeah, that's, that's weird. His name is Flaming Star. Okay. Uh, he said he can cure AIDS, so he knows how to cure AIDS. Let's so. go. This is breaking news. Classic this shaman. Is breaking, this is breaking news. Shaman Shaman W, ladies and gentlemen. We found the cure for AIDS, everyone. Yeah, dude, Shamans. Yeah. It's with Flaming Star in Fayetteville, Arkansas. So, oh Bill Gates, God. you know, yeah. 
But yeah, we don't need Bill Gates anymore. Yeah, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy that has the cure for AIDS. So, so Flaming Star, and by the way, I, I have looked this guy up a little bit. I think there was some talks about him. I, I don't know if he's been to like prison or something, or has like been to jail or something like that too. I I, I was like reading up, and it looked like a court situation. Weird, weird guy to get involved with. Okay. So, anyways, Boogie, also a convicted felon, right, is getting yes. involved with drugs. Correct. Publicly. So two criminals or one known criminal, one other potential criminal. By the way, and this oh, is a little uh, morbid, but the whole time we're filming, Flaming Star is like has serious, uh, like overgrown cancers all throughout his stomach. Okay, and he's claiming that he's healing his own cancer through psychedelics, and I'm having to process this. He's like, fuck? he's like, oh, I gotta sit down. My stomach. I'm like, uh, we, it is, it's cancer. He's literally dying of cancer as we're filming. So uh, we go to this remote place in the woods. We we uh, you know we bring this generator out so we have some lights, and and they just do it. And I we're just we just filmed it because it was kind of this like like the, the the it was the part of the doc is called last ditch ditch effort, which was part four. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of what it was. It was just like, well, none of these things we're filming are sticking. You know, the boxing match didn't turn into this, like, perfect ending in any way. Let's just do some psychedelics and (laughs) uh, see what happens. And I will say this. Like, there was that moment where he did crack. And, like, he's – whenever Boogie's on camera, he's in character. Like, even when you try to get him out of character, he's putting Mm -hmm. on – He's a natural broadcaster, entertainer. I will say the stuff with the um, with the psychedelics was kind of the first time we. There were moments that he cracked where he wasn't like, pr- pr- you know, presenting right, um, uh, and some of that always didn't all make the cut. But he like pissed himself. Like we have footage of him like peeing himself. Like I mean, you're all, gonna do that on a psychedelic. It'll happen. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's all these other things, and it was like he—he he was really just kind of like, you know, uh, I, dude. I think, and he was cool with you making this whole documentary. Yeah, I mean, I told him from the beginning. I tried to set the expectations though. It's like this will be by seeing a lot of people as a hit piece, or even packaged as one. Because if I don't package it as a hit piece, at least. Like it doesn't have any legitimacy, right? You kind of have to come into right? this. You, you can't with... title it the story of bully of Boogie. You have to call it the dark, sad life of Boogie. Right? Yeah, I mean, to... like if he if during that nine months, like like cr- cr- things happened in the other, I would have titled it something else. But I genuinely came away from like this is dark, this is sad, this is depressing, mm-hmm. and you know. But um, yeah, the psychedelics, yeah, Flaming Star, that was. That was probably the most like. It was. Did you do any shrooms? I don't. I didn't do shrooms. Uh, I. It's not my thing. But um, oh. yeah, I. I, uh, I filmed and I had my camera guy with me too. So. Dude, you're such a legend. Look at this dude. dude he takes like, him out to the middle of the forest. This, he gets him what, high as a kite, and he's just sitting there. Sir, content machine. <laughs> yeah. This is this is what I love about like him being like as brave in some cases. Like I would never go out into the. Woods in a million motherfucking years with like flaming star. <laughs> like, goddamn, that is scary as shit. When he was, when you, <laughs> bro, when you were filming the scene and you were driving in the woods, I was just like, uh uh-uh, uh, uh uh, no, 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 no. I'd be like, it was a bad 
disappear. See, if he would have still at least been fat cute, then maybe. But <laughs> yeah, no. Listen, we all love fat cute guys, but the truth is, is that. Yeah, the, the worst part was I didn't know this guy was dying of stomach cancer. And then when he, his stomach starts to hurt and he had to sit down, that's when I'm like, what the f*** is going on? Like, I'm in a random woods in, like, Fayetteville, Arkansas. Boogie298 is tripping balls. This guy's dying of stomach cancer. He has, eight, he has the cure for AIDS. And I'm just running this corporate video company. I want to make a fucking documentary and some shit. So it was... It, you know, at that point, I was like, all right, whatever. So I came home and then started editing. And then, uh, you know, that, that, that's that. We did film with Dr. Todd Grande. He, he's got a good uh, channel doing, like, psychological mm -hmm. analysis. So that was a good one. And then this other uh, YouTube uh, guy in, in some business YouTube stuff. So we had some other good interviews. What, what one thing that really wilds me out too is when you got to the point where he's doing the boxing match, he only got paid ten grand for that fucking match. Yeah, no. I mean that that, no. that that it sounds like there um, was some some sponsorships um, and things, or, or at least that was maybe discussed. Um, but yeah, in terms of what like the actual fees were, was ten k. Um, I and, cannot and, believe it. That doesn't and, sound right. He was, whoa, and, this, this spectacle was massive. He for sure pulled more viewers than... I, I just don't think he owned the ass. He didn't own the, the the business, right? So he was paid that a fixed fee, and then I think whatever whoever owned obviously is going to reap that upside. And, and and the one thing about that, too, is like, they didn't even buy him a ticket to go to his own fight. Like, he had to pay for his own flights and hotels and everything. I don't know how standard that is for a boxing match, but it's like... Yeah. He came out of it literally, like, in the red, like, yeah. uh, according to it. So it's like, I don't even understand, like... In his like, defense, like, or in the defense of the owner of that business, it's like, all right, if, he, if Boogie and Wings set up an independent boxing match and streamed it, how many mm -hmm. tickets is that going to sell? Who, who really had more benefit? I think it probably was equal. He just about broke even on getting out there. And I think the promo, his channel did bump up in a views, probably 20 to 50% in that period. So he, he probably made a little bit more on AdSense and, you know, uh, yeah. but ultimately, the ultimately it's just like adding an extra risk to your life. Cause I don't even know how the f that fight got sanctioned in the first place. It was the heaviest fight ever done in history, apparently. I mean, Boogie's an entertainer. I think he would genuinely do almost anything for views. And and I, in some way, that's a compliment. I mean, the guy, looking back, I probably could have got him to do almost anything for this documentary. Uh, and um, I, I do wish I interviewed Chad, but outside of that, you know, mm -hmm. I'm pretty happy with how it came out. Do you think, like, after this, you're, like, good friends with him now? Like, you're going to go back to yeah, Fayetteville no. and hang out with him? I don't think I'd go hang out with I I'd talk to him on the phone here and there. I mean, that's a long flight to... To, yeah. to, to sit there but i i think he is like to me it's it's fascinating to see where he goes and what he does we have a lot more promotion of the doc to do mm -hmm. um, well, but... i think you just described uh exactly why um he let you do this documentary because it's anything for views and uh no, this, I agree. This, yeah. people, I mean, we're like, talking about him so i it's was a hitting dub. people up with no youtube channel nothing and like basically saying hey i'm gonna make a doc and put it on my youtube channel that doesn't even exist so I am ultimately appreciative of Boogie for, for letting me for do the film and 
yeah, I only had like commercials to show people too. I had never made a documentary like this. This was actually my first project like this. So mm-hmm. I'll always be appreciative of him. But yeah, no, I, I, I'm sure I'll, I'll stay in touch with him and, yeah. you know. How do you, how do you think about like the internet's perception of him, honestly, in the last few years? Like, do you think it matched up to how the internet portrays him as like this fucking fallen villain? You know, like I, I noticed in the oh. in documentary, you were like, oh, here's the mega threat. Here's everything. And honestly, that's a lot of like, we've all read those things. We've all seen like the clips of Boogie, but how much is that like reflective of him now that you've become like more acquainted to him than really anybody else? I think is I think Boogie's genuinely a, a, a pretty nice and highly mm-hmm. anxious individual. I think mm-hmm. he has a lot of anxiety, and that anxiety causes him to come up with ideas or perceptions of of things that are you know in, irrational, and then sometimes act in alignment with that. I don't think he is. Not, he's definitely not as definitely not as bad, and definitely not as good. He's neither as good as what we originally thought he was. And he's definitely not nearly as bad as... I think he's just a guy that, like, fucking plays video games and, like, makes a video every few days and um, has a lot of anxiety and, and says stupid things and mm-hmm. has comes up with good ideas sometimes, stupid ideas sometimes. Uh, he just happened to be really popular at a point and that that on a on a persona that is unsustainable for someone that has very little PR management abilities. Um, he said so many dumb things that were out of character. If he was like a Howard Stern or a Trump type of figure that like was, you know, known for being like edgy. Outlandish, the, yeah. Also, the problem is he's like, he puts out like, oh, well, I'm a big fan of Andy Kaufman or edgy comedy. It's like, well, you were never, you never got popular as that. That would be like if fucking, uh, you know, Oprah Winfrey started being edgy lesbian comedy about like edgy shit. It's like, <laughs> what are you talking about, Oprah? Like, <laughs> give people cars. Like, we, we don't want you to make, you know, Hitler jokes, right? Yeah, it's not yeah. Funny, right? I disagree. I think if Oprah started making Hitler jokes, that would be crazy. It would be crazy, and she would lose all of her, you know, 40, 50 year old women fans. She wouldn't and- lose me. She wouldn't you know, lose with me. With Boogie, it's like you can appreciate Andy Kaufman without going into that. And I think that um, also the other problem yeah. with Boogie is he's a big fan of the Andy Kaufman edgy humor, but his delivery wasn't as funny as it needed to be for them to be seen as jokes. He would say things that were like, oh, I'm joking, but like the delivery wasn't hilarious. So... It's like, oh well, this just seems like a mean statement. It's like so oh, when, you're when gonna... Boogie made the the landlord statement that Muda started f- arguing with him about. I really think that he meant it like as a half truth, half joke, but he just mm-hmm. ended up coming off as landlord's evil. Rah. I mean, part of it is just also my fault too, because I get pretty f-ing autistic about this shit on the internet. Like I. Like, if you, if you just, if Boogie does that thing to me where, like, I don't know, he's just the one guy to twist my fucking buttons on the internet. Just stupid shit all the time. It just, it grinds, it. like, normally, and I think everyone at the show can agree that I'm a pretty fun-loving guy, but, like, if you mm-hmm. can just twist my fucking nipples the wrong way, I just cannot stand you, you know? And it's one of the reasons why, like, I mentioned even to Matt, too, it's like, you know, just fucking his whole situation and, like, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff, it's like, even... 
Caleb, like, I, like everyone knocks, you guys know, like, there's a certain moment in time where, like, I, I can, I can have, like, I can laugh around, but, like, when you are just completely immature, when you completely lack any form of, like, adult accountability, like, accountability at all, like, any form of, like, adult mannerisms, it's just, it kills me. But yep. I, I think, think that's true for anybody. component that's going on with the whole boogie downfall is that there are so many of these like content commentary creators that emerged at a time where boogie was really big and maybe they were like 15 or 12 or 20 and mm -hmm. and by the time that they get a voice we got the sunny v2 i mean sunny v2 kind of built his whole you know, that was the first big video for him and there's been so many other content creators that were probably 10 15 when boogie was you know in his prime that was they that's the guy they knew so he was just like the guy with the was the de facto um content takedown video that you would make when you started your channel and mm -hmm. that's i think sunny v2 is an example of that and you have like probably five six other channels that have just mastered the anti-boogie yeah. video that's going to pull you a million two million views yeah but wh why is that why is that how did boogie get to the point that he uh that everyone likes making the takedown videos on him i mean it's like if mr rogers was an asshole that would be the most yeah. interesting there would be hundreds of videos about that like holy mr rogers yelled at kids in private or something a yeah. few times or like, like Bob Ross wasn't being chill the entire time, and he just yeah, Bob chill. Ross, yeah. you know, fucking like beating. Yeah, you really you know? think that's it? You know? It's like the the irony of the facade being fake that draws people in. Yeah, nobody. I just cares think it's if... because you're you're doing a story about someone who really can't mm -hmm. fight back. If, if 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 someone that's open and perceived as an asshole already does things that are similar to an asshole, nobody cares, right? It, it's it's the whole Trump effect, you know. Like, nobody cared when he paid off a, a hooker. If Hillary Clinton or somebody paid off a, a hooker, it's like, it's crazy. It's out of alignment with the persona you knew them as. Mm -hmm. so I Dude, think Boogie, I would love if Hillary Clinton paid off a hooker. That would be the funniest I, shit in the world. Uh, he paid me off. I am a former <laughs> hooker. No, let's go. <laughs> I'm also a financial advisor. No, I'm kidding. But uh, I think, um, yeah, I think it's all like, how do people already perceive that person and is how they're acting in alignment with mm -hmm. that or not. And I think that's why Boogie's fascinating because, you know, he, he was this, we created this character of him and, you know, he went live enough times to reveal that that's not what he's like all the time. Mm -hmm. And I can't, I can't blame him for that. I mean, if I was known as likable and you let me live stream for fucking three hours a day to 200,000 people or whatever, I'm going to say enough things that are not likable and you're not yeah. going to like me anymore. Right. So I think that's most people. Um, but there are some people maybe like the Markipliers that are just, maybe they're a little bit more genuine to that likability and they're just more psychologically sound where they're going to not take that thought to say that crazy thing and no. just not say it. Right. And I think that's boogie. He is on the psychological fringe and he doesn't mm -hmm. have that filter to not, to know when not to, to say that thing he thinks yeah. is funny. So now that you've done one documentary, it's going to be really early to tell. Who do you think like, like, will, like, do you think you'll ever cover any other YouTuber after this too? Like, to this degree, is there I anybody else a, that interests you? Yeah, I have a few other is in the works, um, and uh, you know, I just I wanted to get the boogie out to kind of see what other names 
would, would see kind that, of come dude? That. You did exactly the same thing as everybody else that used Boogie as the stepping stone to oh, launch yeah. their. <laughs> oh, I'm exploiting Boogie for views, a hundred percent. Okay, I good. Mean, <laughs> yeah, I Let's told go. him that from day one. I am here to exploit him and use him and move the f on. Okay. So, <laughs> and and he no saw the spotlight and was all excited about it. Yeah, I'll give him a documentary. Give me yeah. my fucking subs and views I can get from you, and let me fucking use you as a stepping stone. And uh, that's exactly no, what it doesn't, it doesn't even feel like well, exploiting nice. at this point. It just feels like a symbiotic relationship for both yeah, no, parties. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think he wanted they... to be exploited. I, you know, it was, it yeah. was a fair exchange. I mean, like, for him, it's just, like, it's it's good attention. Like, for him, it's, like, any attention is good attention. I think for a lot of YouTubers in that boat, it's like, yeah, man, I... And how many people, how many, I, a lot of it also feeds off the ego too. Like, I feel like for people like that, it's like, oh, somebody's making a documentary for me. That's so fucking cool and shit, right? Like, I, like that. that's one of the things that I think also feeds into it. Like, I, I, as yeah. much as like anybody would hate to say, oh, this guy made a takedown piece on me. There's part of you that jerks yourself off because you're like, oh, this guy spent like hours of his life making a video yeah, about I'm me. I'm important yeah. enough for you uh, to, you know, hate this badly. If you email someone with narcissistic tendencies and say, I want to make a documentary on you. You're getting a response to that email, right? Like almost, you know, all the time. I yeah. think the um, uh, the thing was with YouTubers, like it was just what I kind of felt could get views on the platform immediately. And mm -hmm. also, the problem is a lot of the YouTubers I talk to, like their their content's the most interesting interesting thing about them, right? So there's not a documentary should be made. It's like there's nothing more to the story. They have a lot of subs and they are not that interesting. Boogie was yeah. one of those, like there is layers to him. And there's other, there's some other um, projects I have that there are layers and there's a lot I, I maybe explored that I pull back on or, or just weren't a fit. There's also a lot where like you get into it and it's clear we're making two different projects. I'm making what I think will be entertaining to the consumer and it, also a reflection of reality. They want a, a marketing video for their brand and that's just not what I'm here to do. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there, there'll definitely be more. I'm, I'm, my goal is to be in a position to drop one every few months um, and then have clips and different stuff in the interim. But, um, you know, we'll kind of see how this boogie one does and see who else you can kind of document. Or, and I have a lot of stuff I want to do that's just general topics um, that have nothing mm -hmm. to do with YouTube. And um, so, yeah. Hell yeah, yeah sounds good. I, mean, I really wish you the best of luck in growing your empire. Yeah, I mean, honestly, with the quality that you put out for this one documentary, I'm excited to see how you choose to go further. Um, do you think YouTube's a sustainable market for that, though? Like, uh, in terms oh, of no, making money out of it? it no? uh, like, it's uh, probably a dumb idea to spend this much money and put these on YouTube. But, um, you know, I didn't, documentaries are in, all tough to do. Um, you know, you, the alternatives go to, like, festivals and try to sell it to like one of five streamers for some amount of money and mm -hmm. then it's harder to market because it doesn't have that built-in algorithm so i think it's just gonna be a long journey of like you know putting out great content maybe online at first and if it makes sense to move over to trying to sell assets yeah. to a, a streaming service maybe that's something i do but i'm just having a lot of fun like i've i'm fortunate to have businesses and other things i do that 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 make money and subsidize just, basically this endeavor yeah this is super yeah. fun like i i've i yeah. i've, yeah, I've always like, wanted to do this so. hobbies are great hobbies are great yeah i, I mean think I that's how that's how every youtube channel should start right 
Yeah, I mean, as I, some I think, kind of hobby. I think it's pretty much like how everyone else here, or at least, still does it. It's like this is a hobby, and it should be a hobby. It should be something that you know people do for the fun of it, right? Like, and I think that comes through, and that's really where the most successful channels are, right? Like, are the ones where you see the creator having fun doing what they do, right? Or for like. Sure. They get into that passion moment about it, like, I like you know here. I'll give you guys a great example. I don't give a fucking shit about this Will Smith situation anymore at all. Like, I don't care about it like anymore because after that one slap, I didn't give a shit. I watched Caleb your video today on it before we filmed, where you were like looking into it, and it's like, for that brief like for that brief like you know ten, fifteen, twenty minutes of my life, I gave a shit about something, right? Because mm -hmm. the guy that was making the video was so passionately involved in the situation. Mm -hmm. Reluctantly, you know. albeit. Yeah. Reluctant I mean, involvement. But, yeah. but, I mean, but, but, but you had fun. But you, but like, yeah, it's fun. You, you, like, yeah, you had fun covering it, and I think that carries over through. So it's like, of course I'm going to sit there and be excited about like watching a video now if like the person... Like, if you made a video, like a 20-minute long video, where you outlined this whole situation in the most monotone, dry, fucking, like, I don't give a shit attitude, I wouldn't... I would have turned the video off, right? But it's like, oh he's making a funny situation right. like he's covering it it's it's fine it's cool like that's the kind of shit that i like to see yeah. and that's like, I where watch, i think the most successful i love, channels I love are. both of your videos muda caleb and uh it's because of you guys like for example every time i watch like one of your xbox hacks things i don't give a crap about any of that but i i like you so i'll watch your stuff and mm. same with caleb's infinite sniper wolf content um so <laughs> you know stuff dude that like is that. that that is my favorite i think your next documentary should be fucking sniper wolf yeah, dude. she is like yeah she'll down. answer she'll answer yo <laughs> track her down find her address take a picture put it we, on instagram an and say email? hey just want to talk I'll, I'll, dude you don't I'll... even need it <laughs> do you know about the sniper wolf situation at all I, i'm i well boogie made of doc or, or what that was a he made a video on that so and i i had seen some stuff pop up in my feed, but uh, sounds like she was just basically stealing content and this other guy, and then she docks this dude. So, hey, oh. if she will make one, I will 100% go film with. I, I would do that. That seems relevant. Her story might be one of the wildest ones on YouTube. Her court situation is some of the most insane shit that I've ever fucking seen, man. It's like, glorious. Like, but the, I'll, I'll, I, I actually wanted to tell you, ask mentioned something on the boogie thing before we started uh you mentioned to mike i don't know how the video wasn't taken down uh because of what because of nudity like there was one scene oh in yeah there there's that... a there's a straight up scene with boogie and his like girlfriend in in a tub and basically okay like let's just be honest here like attempting to yeah, it they was were, uh they were out. there was a little there was a little side butt you know but it uh i, I hope hope it like stays fine I, I don't know so you mentioned that and i saw a video this week on youtube that i didn't know existed that i also thought is a little wild and violation of some sort of sexual gratification policies are you familiar with the most viewed video on sniper wolf's channel no 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 go don't, don't do it on share the screen go to her channel right. and, and just open up Caleb, her you most wanna, popular you wanna share the screen? i i can't on my Thing. Uh, for her most viewed video, yeah, yep. I, I'm 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 almost scared about this. You should be. I'm actually really fucking worried because last time I looked at her most questionable videos, I felt like the feds would show up to my house. Not even a joke. I I could not believe it when I saw this. There yeah. we go. Okay. Okay. All right. So what is it Popular. about this one? That's Touch sharing. my body challenge. Yes, so that video, that entire video, and I actually watched it recently, is the boyfriend basically 
well, fulfilling the title. Just touching her? Yeah. In the middle, he like, he really goes... What the fuck? Dude, oh. it's the whole video. Is that boobs? No. Is that boobs? Dude, dude, I, I, dude <laughs> that would have been, been fucking taken down. What the so, fuck? I don't understand how that is not taken off YouTube. But but all of us get these weird age restrictions on stuff. Anyway. I mean, it, it it happened like that. That's why that's that that's one of the reasons why like I even said to like you, Mike. I'm like, dude, that is like when I saw that and you. By the way, I'm gonna say it for the record. Like as as an editor and dude, you kept that shot running way too fucking long. That shot should have been like maybe a second maximum. <laughs> but like when I saw it, I was like, all right, this this is this is definitely getting squad wiped if it stays on longer than it has to. But yeah. um, I was actually surprised they were comfortable with that too. It's like. It all, like, I swear, watching your whole documentary, I thought that they would probably, like, when you got to the point where they were talking about how they didn't have any money to do anything for it, I was like, please, please, every holy being in the universe, do not tell me the next scene is them attempting OnlyFans or pornography or anything. I'm like, please, God. <laughs> like, I, I, could, I could see that coming. I would not I be could so see I that not coming. Be Oh. I also could see that lining up in the next month, like as a component of this. Like, you know, he they 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 sort of joked about it because I think Boogie has kind of this like joke OnlyFans. It's like, oh, I'm making OnlyFans. It's just like pictures of him and shit. But uh, <laughs> sorry, that, yeah. Well, I mean, it tough. always starts as a fucking joke, right? It's like, yeah, I'm just fucking around with you guys. Oh wait, this is successful. Let's fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, would you subscribe to a Boogie and a Dez OnlyFans? No. No. Listen, man, I have <laughs> subbed to a Nico, I have subbed to a Nico Cotto only fan, but I okay. there's yeah, there yeah. are limitations to my degeneracy on the internet. No, I just see. I'll just wait for the uh, the inevitable uh, YouTube video. You know, I subscribe to Boogie's OnlyFans, so you don't have to. I'll just wait for someone to make that video, uh, and then I'll I'll enjoy it from a third party I, I, perspective. Yeah, I feel like my wife would leave me if she saw that on my bank account statements. Like fucking. <laughs> Uh, like if, if Jen saw that on my fucking bank account fucking statements that I gave OnlyFans to him, she'd be like, "Really? Out of all people in the world?" So I, I don't know that. Like that, that is going to be a tough It was sell. a business expense, babe. Don't worry. Yeah, you, you know what the thing is That'll though. Work. If like he makes an OnlyFans, it'll be the most successful OnlyFans out there. Because I swear to God, that whole site is built around the weirdest fetishes imaginable, dude. Like that. Yeah, but now he's site. not cute fat anymore, so. I don't know. Yeah, that is true. That is wild. But, you know, I got to say, impressive documentary work on there. I really want to see more from you going into forward. And I know from, like, my own personal, like, work on any of this kind of stuff is coming up with a finale to this was tough. I saw a few people on the Internet who were like, the ending just hap happened haphazardly. I'm like, dude, trust me, when you're dealing with hundred hours, hundreds of hours of footage, the ending, that is probably the best you can cobble up. That psychedelic ending... And I do like that you left it open-ended in the sense that, like, it's somewhat uplifting. Maybe it leads to, like, him making some serious changes, but it is the best you could do. And it's it, 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 I felt that you were ready to tap out 10 minutes into it, like, especially at the end of, like, or just, like, before part one. And uh, the fact that you finished it and it came out like this, very impressive work, and... You know, I just, I, I can't, I can't, you know, say anything beyond that. Good, good work. Good, good documentary. I appreciate that, man. I, I mm. got to ask you guys, if if I were to make 
a doc on anybody, who would who would each one of you want to see? Tumad. Yeah, I would say Tumad. Tumad. How do you spell that? T W O M A D. One word. Oh my God! You were ready, ready on the trigger. Dude, I, dude, when you asked me that question, I felt like this was Red Dead too. Like I'm ready to draw the revolver. What about what about this guy needs a documentary? Um, it, Caleb, can you can you kind of like prep us uh, for this? I don't know. A really roundabout sort of generalization would be, uh, he, so he's like an internet troll. He's been trolling for a long time, and he got into he, like trolling and zoom bombing. Um, just fucking with people. He's completely irreverent. Like, that's his main thing. He's never had a, a, a sincere thought uh, other than the time that he, he clowned on Hassan. There was one time he clowned on Hassan Abi on Twitter, which was, which was pretty interesting. But Peak um, too mad. Peak yeah, too peak mad. Yeah, peak too mad. Dude has always just kind of appeared as a very intelligent, but also uh, irreverent to a fault type of character. So it's hard to, like, treat him as a real person. Uh, and... Last a couple months ago, there was a bunch of uh, like allegations, sexual assault type stuff. They came out a bunch of or, uh, against him. One girl, I think. Um, and I forget exactly the whole the whole story like in that, but it's it's been really bad. And he's he had this terrible fall off, and he still just tweets every day. There's a lawsuit. Um, one of the people that he hates from you on YouTube a long time ago, this guy named Jameski, is backing the girl, um, and helping her sue Yo, him. I didn't know that. And, oh uh, God. yeah, and, like, delivering this big fat f***ing lawsuit, and now there's more lawsuits, and he just doesn't, uh, he doesn't... Take it seriously. He doesn't take it seriously. He's completely irreverent yeah. still, and it makes him look like a f***ing fool online. Uh, and, like, I don't know. It, it's really weird. It's, it's like, weird. Like, you want to talk about a situation with, like, Boogie, where you were like, this guy had everything, and now he lost it all. This is a live situation of that entirely, and it's actually an arguably a bigger scale, because too mad without no joke he was a very influential creator at his peak right like you could upload a video about anything and you know trend do whatever he was a he is he he was one of the most powerful driving forces on the internet for a brief period in time and had he just stuck doing that i think he could have an he could have one of the best careers still to this day he does not treat his lawsuit seriously like if you're getting at some moment in time, he when treats you have it a so assault. unseriously. For example, that when mm -hmm. I saw all this coming out, I thought he was literally staging all of it for a video. Mm -hmm. I really thought he was. There's still like a part of me that's thinking, is could this be somehow fake? But it's obviously not. No, it's uh, <laughs> that, it's that's how uh, outlandish yeah. it looks from the outside. And, and and the thing about it is, is like he's a guy that's very much in denial. Like if you talk to him about it, he's in denial. You can, and this is where like it comes. Like this is where my personal belief is. Like if I give you advice, you know, I don't expect you to take it. But like, if you're gonna come out later and then just tell me, or like you know, basically disregard anything that I say and immediately believe you're right, then I'm just at that moment in time I stop giving a shit, right? And that's one of the things that if you're gonna make a documentary on a guy like this, you can look right into it. And that's, you know, he's, he's just one of those guys where he'll never change off. Huh? Okay. Oh, yeah. I'll I will 100% email this guy. Yeah, you should. If he goes through, we can reference this. Uh, I'll, we'll premiere it. We'll premiere My it. My man, we if, can, you, uh, if you do it, I would love to come down and yeah. fucking I will do interview, something with you. Yeah. I was going to say, he could probably, we, I mean, we could probably link you up with him. I'm sure. Yeah. But, uh, if you oh, could, yeah, 100%. I, listen, hey, 
this is uh, content on demand. I will, I will make it. I appreciate yeah, you guys letting me One hundred percent. This was super gonna, fun, and uh, yeah, I gotta, I gotta head out. I just had like a thing pop up actually right now. Uh, somebody just that's why I was like looking to the side there real quick. But um, again, I want to thank you, Mike, for coming on. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, yeah this taking your time to talk fun. about it. Uh, yeah, I nice, nice to meet you. And uh, honestly, it's so nice to see someone just making a massive video, huge undertaking, just purely because they love what they're doing. Yeah, it was a lot of work, and a lot, but it's it's super fun, and I, I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll make some cool more documentaries and keep going. Yeah. Hell cool. yeah. All right. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of the podcast. Uh, make sure to check out Mike Clem's YouTube channel. We'll have it linked in the description below. Check out Nox Taku. Check out Caleb, also known as Oompaville. And make sure you buy some Sour Boys. By the way, I just want to straight up say for the record, uh, Caleb, your shipment came in to my house. Mm -hmm. And can I just say right now, this shit is like crack cocaine. Is that my candy. flavor? Uh, <laughs> yes, it is the, uh, it is the, it's the Mango Slap, I believe. Sunshine I ripped slap. the top off. I, I ripped the top off just because I wanted to get into it. I fucking love this flavor. So yeah, check out Sour Boys Candy. And our boy's killing it. And um, you know, if you ever wanna, if you ever run out of content, my channel's always available. Some ordinary gamers. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. This is us. And we're out.